0: Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old-Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old-time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit ComicWeb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week we have an episode of Vic and Sade called Rush Humiliated on Thanksgiving. It first aired on November 20th, 1941. Plus we have a bonus 10-minute episode of the kids' show Big John and Sparky.
1: Hello there. Get ready to smile again with radio's home folks, Vic and Save. Vic and Save, written by Paul Reimer, is brought to you each weekday by the makers of the new Sure Mix Crisco. Friends, on this day, which is Thanksgiving Day in so many of our homes, may we bring you our warm and sincere holiday greetings. At a time when you give thanks for your many blessings for your home and loved ones, we, too, are thankful for your continued friendliness and loyalty. All of us in this program join the makers of Crisco in wishing you a very happy Thanksgiving. Well, sir, it's a few minutes past 8 o'clock as we enter the small house halfway up in the next block now. And here in the living room, we find Mr. and Mrs. Victor Gook spending a quiet evening at home. Vic lounges in the Davenport and gazes dreamily at his shoes. Sade is seated in her husband's easy chair beneath the floor lamp, reading aloud from the newspaper. Listen.
2: The bride, leaning heavily upon the arm of her father, was radiant in a going-away costume of off-apricot with stockings and pumps to match, with burnt caramel accessories and a small cloche hat. She carried a bouquet of mixed garden flowers. Out-of-town guests were Cyrus Elfreech of Kansas City, Missouri, a former employer of the groom. Ed and Will Falper, Lexington, Illinois, mister and Mrs. U O Dimp and Son Walrab of Red Wing, Minnesota, Harry K. Montgomery of West Pittston, Pennsylvania, mister and Mrs. Clark Dunlap of Cleveland, Ohio, mister and Mrs. Bill Lacey of Toronto, Ontario, Cad Wallader
3: telephone again. One answer. Probably Ruthie's done by you. No, know. I'm sure not. Then let me hazard a guess. It's good old dependable, down at the heel, solid concrete foundation, trustworthy Bluetooth Jensen. Yes. Hello? Yes? Why, oh, no, he isn't. Who is this? Oh, uh uh-uh. huh. CD. Bluetooth Jensen.
2: Oh, really?
3: Good old, sweeter than the flowers in May. It matters not who won or lost or how you played the game. Reliable Bluetooth Jensen.
2: You better talk to him, hadn't you? Otherwise, he'll hang up. Uh, Bluetooth? How are you,
3: Bluetooth? Glad to hear. It.
2: No, we'll Rush
3: ducked out someplace right after supper. Any message I can give him? Oh, Vernon Pagels is out in the lead. Okay, I see. Tomorrow he's going to buy his second United States Defense bond, huh? And that puts him way ahead of the rest of you guys. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, Bluetooth. You bet. Goodbye. Where is Button Hook, by the way?
2: I haven't any idea. He walked out the kitchen door as soon as he finished wiping the dishes. He can't have gone very far or planned to stay away very long. Otherwise, he'd have said something. Cadwalder mm. uh, J. Urquhart of Twillman, Oklahoma. Oh, what's this? Just... Still reading what the paper states about the wedding. Oh. Cadwalder uh, J. Urquhart of Twillman, Oklahoma. Martha Esther James Donald Arnold and Eugene Nebel of Indianapolis, Ohio. Mr. and Mrs. R. E. Grief of Cincinnati, Indiana. Mrs. William Yarker and infant daughter Rudolphina Margaret Annabelle Beulah of Fishley, Michigan. And J. U. Epson of O'Brien, Texas, a college classmate of the groom. Quite a turnout, hmm?
3: It is.
2: Immediately after the ceremony, the guest. Oh, here's
3: Stone Bruce. Hi! Hi!
2: Immediately after the ceremony, the guests were served to dainty refreshments at the home of Mr. and Mrs. John H. Weeper, 917 South Center Street. Fun-loving friends of the happy couple painted humorous signs on their motorcycle and decorated the handlebars with old shoes. Since the motorcycle has no sidecar, the newlyweds rode away, one seated behind the other.
4: Excuse me, people. Hey, hey.
3: Apparently forgive the intrusion. Think no more about it. You live here in the house, and you're entitled to come and go as you please. Oh. Good old true blue, heart bigger than all outdoors, reliable old Bluetooth Johnson just phoned. Yeah? He said Vernon Peggles is going to buy his second United States
4: defense bond tomorrow. Oh? That puts him out ahead of everybody. So Bluetooth allowed. I thought I'd better drop in and tell you something, Mom. What's that? Nicer Scott is sitting on his front porch steps.
2: Pretty cold to be doing that, isn't
4: it? I'm going over and pasting one upside the snoot.
2: What's this now?
4: Once more Nicer's has goaded the human body to the point where civilized flesh and blood can't stand it. Has it? He has. And I'm going next door and wang him one upside the bean. Thought I'd better notify you first. Maybe you better sit down. I can't spare the time. Can't take any chances on letting him escape. Any second, he might go in the house. Sit down. Human flesh and blood refuses. Listen,
2: Willie, I'm good and tired of every little while having to go over and over this business. Remember tonight at
4: supper, nicer coming in our kitchen and being nice as pie and obliging as a horse? I remember. Axle grease wouldn't melt in his mouth, would it? He was a fine gentleman with the slick manners, wasn't he? Well, he was certainly a Every second he was in our house, he was casting around his eyes. What do you mean by that? He was looking for stuff. Looking for stuff? Looking for stuff to pin on me. I haven't decided what... Well, which... he found some stuff to pin on me. What time did we eat supper?
2: Brash, will you kindly... Six o'clock,
4: I... wasn't it? Six o'clock or a few minutes past? Okay. Well, by 7.30, he'd been all over town with his meanness.
2: I think... Strolled they... up
4: to the corner of Kelsey and Virginia. Smelly Clark, Willis Royback, and Leland Richards were sitting under the streetlight. When they saw me, they let out a screech. Mom, in less than an hour and a half, nicer Scott had made me an object of ridicule before the human race.
2: You ask him what he's talking about.
4: What's he talking about? It's my knife and fork. Knife and fork? Yeah. I think the weather's done something to the child. What about your knife and fork? When Nyssa was in the kitchen and I during supper, he spotted my knife and fork.
3: vinegar crude old saddle soap. Papa's completely oh, in the doctor.
2: your little knife and fork?
4: My little knife and fork. You have the key to this mystery?
2: You know his little knife and fork he eats with.
4: I eat with him because you put him beside my plate.
2: I always put them beside your plate. Never heard you complain.
4: I never complained because it never occurred to me a snake in the grass like Nicer Scott would use them against me.
2: What did Nicer tell the boys?
4: He told them Rush Cook eats with a knife and fork a third the size of regular knives and forks. Rush Gook eats with a knife and fork where there's angels engraved all over and darling baby printed on the back.
2: Oh, <laughs> why, that little dickens. He
4: spread it all over town. and the miserable object of public ridicule. Why?
2: Best give him that knife and fork when he was three years old. Mm-hmm. They aren't really baby things. They're smaller than regular knives and forks, but not any two-thirds smaller. person would have to look twice to tell the difference.
4: Nicer you know, Scott looked twice. In fact, he must have stood there studying the half-wit knife and fork. He told the guys about the angels engraved all over. Told them about darling baby printed on the back.
2: <laughs> well, I expect he did make it sound funny to the kids. A monstrous, great, big, grown-up high school gentleman, 14 years old, using sweet, dainty little knives. He's made balls. it
4: sound funny, and he's had his fun. Now I'm going over and smash his head. Oh, no, you're not. You suggest I leave him get away with this? I suggest you sit still. Right this minute, he's seated on his bottom front porch step. Wouldn't take me four seconds to step over and paste him one upside the snoot.
2: Well, you're not going to do it.
4: Imagine. Come over to our house this evening while we were eating supper. It was all friendship and soft-talk and high-class manners been a warm day, Miss Gook. You're looking well, Mr. Gook. I see you enjoy jelly on your bread rush. And all the time, his eye was roving around. He spotted my little knife and fork with the angels on it and darling baby printed on the back. He got the details well in mind. Then he excused himself and went outdoors and run like the dickens all over town to spread the news. Well, you should have heard the screaming and yelling when I showed up at the corner of Kelsey and Virginia. And I kind of nicer Scott polite visit this evening, I am now a miserable object of public ridicule.
2: Oh, I doubt if it's that bad.
4: It is that bad. I'm going over and punch his witted jaw.
2: I say you're not. Now listen, Rush, we've been through this business again and again and again, and you ought to understand by now I don't intend to take chances on being on the outs with next door neighbors. Kids' quarrels is one thing, and grown-up quarrels is
4: another. Telephone is dead. Telephone is dead. Probably somebody calling up to Josh. Well, answer
2: it. You're right there.
4: Gee, wouldn't it be
3: wonderful if it was good old trustworthy Love Me, Love My Dog Mary is a grand old name, reliable Bluetooth okay. Johnson again.
4: Hello. Oh, hello, Leroy. Leroy Snow. Mm-hmm. Mm. What is your business, Leroy? Will you repeat your question, please? No, Leroy. I do not wear a baby bonnet when I go to bed. No, and I don't wear bibs or booties either. Was that all, Leroy? Very well, Leroy. Not at all, Leroy. Anytime, Leroy. Only too happy, Leroy. Certainly, Leroy. Depend upon it, Leroy. Now allow me to bid you goodbye, Leroy. Goodbye, Leroy. See?
3: they <laughs> are just having a little fun at your expense, I'll smash nicer Scott's chin.
2: Of course. He'll do nothing of the kind.
3: Pete... Allow me to tell you a little story about Benjamin Franklin and what he said to his manservant while flying a kite near the city of Philadelphia early in the year 1820. It just so happened this man servant's name was Charlie and there was nothing he liked better than bread with sugar on it. Well, sir, according to history, Benjamin
5: Franklin... Cell
3: Oh, so it is, by
4: George!
3: If it could only be good old brown as a berry, even Steve independent of Bluetooth Johnson.
4: Hello? Oh, yes, Milton. Milton Wells. Ah. Hmm. What brings you to the telephone, Milton? Hope you didn't disturb me while I was sitting on my father's knee while he sung me to sleep, huh? Not at all, Milton. I assure you I wasn't sitting on my father's knee being sung sleep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You bet. Well, just awful nice of you to call. Yes, indeed. I'll call again sometime, won't you? You bet. Okay, Milton. Sure thing, Milton. Goodbye, Milton. Wonderful stuff, huh? Oh. I will step next door and fix Nicer Scott good. No, you won't. Goodness,
2: talk about making the camels back out of a molehill. What do you care? It is kind of halfway comical, a big 14-year-old high school gentleman using a dainty little knife and fork with darling baby on it to eat his supper with.
4: Is it kind of halfway comical a baboon like Nicer Scott to enter my private home like a wolf in sheep's well, clothes? Oh, sure, and... you'd probably have done the same thing. I bet if you caught Heiney Call across the street eating
2: his supper with a little knife and fork like yours, you'd. Uh, tell
3: us what I'll get it. Oh,
2: something. Huh?
4: <laughs> Hello? Yes. Who? I seem to recognize the voice, but I can't quite place it. Mildred? Mildred, who, please? Rizdle? Bizdal? Bizdle? T, like in Time Oh, Tizdle. Oh, sure, I recollect you now. Uh, Mildred Tisdale, isn't it? Hey hmm Hey, he hey, is right. What is your business, Hildred? I mean, Mildred. Do I feed myself with my little knife and fork, or do my parents do it? Uh-huh. Why, I feed myself, Mildred. Yes. Not at all, and thanks for calling. Certainly. Certainly. Goodbye, Miss Ricedale, or whatever it is. Ah, Yes. Gizzo. Goodbye, Miss Gizzo. See, even the girls. Oh, you lead a miserable life. I'll go next door and lock Nicer Scott's ears down around his chin.
2: I don't think you will. Listen, you can explain to your friends it was your mother's fault. <laughs> it is, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always thought of that little engraved knife and fork as being what Rush uses to eat with. Year after year, ever since he started eating with knives and forks, I've put them beside his plate. And like I say, they're not actually baby things. They're almost as big as regular knives and forks. When I set the table, I invariably get them out of the drawer and put them beside Willie's plate. It's never crossed my mind. I had a grown-up 14-year-old man for a son and was giving him knives and forks covered over with angels and Mark Garland baby. (laughs) (laughs) Silly, huh? (laughs) Oh, forgive me, Ashtray.
4: Oh, it's okay, I guess. Is it? (laughs)
2: Sure. Begin to see the comical sides, huh?
4: Yeah.
2: Well, where are you going? Upstairs. Read a nice book?
4: Uh-huh.
2: Oh, that's fine. Oh. Uh-huh. I'll put your little knife and fork away in the buffet someplace. Okay. Stuff happens, don't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stuff happens.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Where was I here in my newspaper piece? mm mm-hmm. Why, say, I left out a whole paragraph. Did mm-hmm. you? List of names. hmm out-of-towners
4: mm-hmm.
2: mr. and mrs. David Yasher and sons Chauncey and Beef of Pittsburgh, Iowa, Blake K. Fratt, Jr., Mulish, Vermont, Sidney, Lila, Hobert, Gus, Vivian, Grace, Howard, and Stungle, Houch, Dismosipich, Ohio, and Miller Y. Miller of Itcher, Montana a real turnout hmm? mm-hmm. Immediately after the ceremony, the guests were served a dainty refreshment at the home of Mr. and Mrs. John H. Weeper, 917 South Center Street. Fun-loving friends of the happy young couple painted humorous signs on their motorcycle and decorated the handlebars with old shoes. Since the motorcycle has no sidecar, the newlyweds rode away, one seated behind the other.
1: Well... Seems like there's always something doing at that small house halfway up in the next block. So be sure to come along when we visit Vic and Sade the next time. This is Ed Hurley speaking.
3: This is the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company.
0: Vic and Sade was an American radio program created and written by Paul Reimer. It was regularly broadcast on radio from 1932 to 1944, then intermittently until 1946 and was briefly adapted to television in 1949 and again in 1957. During its 14-year run on radio, Vic and became one of the most popular series of its kind, earning critical and popular success. According to Time Magazine, Vic and Sade had 7 million devoted listeners in 1943. For the majority of its span on the air, Vic and Sade was heard in 15-minute episodes without a continuing storyline. The central characters, known as Radio's Home Folks, were accountant Victor Rodney Goop, who was played by Art Van Harvey, his wife Sade, played by Bernadine Flynn, and their adopted son Rush, who was Bill Idelson. The three lived on Virginia Avenue in the small house halfway up in the next block. The program was presented in a, with a low-key ease and naturalness, and Reimer's humorous dialogue was delivered with a subtleness that made even the most outrageous events seem commonplace and normal. Vickensade was first heard over NBC's Blue Network in 1932 and originated in Chicago. At the height of its popularity, it was broadcast over all three major networks and as many, many as six times a day. It was in this format, with only three characters, that the program thrived for the next eight years and won many awards for its writers, actors, and the sponsor. Vic and Sade was technically a soap opera in time slots sl- slanted towards audiences of housewives and sponsored by food items and cleaning products. Vic and Sade w- went off the air on September 29, 1944, but was brought back several times. In 1945, the cast was augmented to include many characters who were pre- previously only talked about. In 1946 it was a summer replacement series but in a half-hour format and played in front of a live studio audience. Later that year it became an unsponsored feature on the mutual network. In 1949 three television episodes were made using an elaborate set that included the whole house as well as the front and backyards. In 1957 Vic and Sade ran for seven weeks as a television series but returned to the original three-character format. The show's strength and appeal, appeal st- stem from its author's unique outlook on the world, his peculiar sense of humor, and his ability to create a universe of people, places, and fascinating situations. Now, stay tuned for an episode of the kids' show Big John and Sparky called Sparky Finds a Bug.
5: And now it's time for the further adventures of Big John and Sparky. Today's chapter is entitled Sparky Finds a Bug. Sparky and I, along with our good friend Mayor Frontfront, were spending a pleasant week on Yuki Butch's farm on the outskirts of Cincinnati, Ohio. Sparky certainly has been enjoying the fresh air and the sunshine and the exercise, the farm animals and so forth, and I've been enjoying my visit, too. Yesterday, while Sparky was out in the fields with uh, Yuki, he collected a bunch of bugs. turned out that one of them was a very rare butterfly, according to the mayor, The only trouble is, it escaped, and Sparky's very anxious to get it back. up and finish your breakfast there, lad. We want to get outside and hunt for that little bug of yours that got away last night. I wish
6: think John would have let us go outside last night and hunt for it, right after it got out of my bug collection.
5: Oh, no, lad, Buster was right. It was too dark to find that there little bug last night. Of course it was. Besides, whoever heard of such a thing, hunting for bugs in the middle of the night.
6: But, big John, you don't seem to realize that that bug is valuable. That's a rare leper uh, bug. Wh- whatever it
5: was the mayor said. Lepidopterus microphilius monatico paracelsus, lad. That's the technical name for that there, bug. And by the way, that's the last time I'm saying that name today. <laughs> Say it once and I'm winded for the rest of the day. What was that again, mayor? I was sitting here half awake listening to you fellers talking. <laughs> Did I hear you mention Lepidopterus microphilius monatico paracelsus?
6: Twice. Listen <laughs> <Look at> to that. <laughs> Hey, Yuki can say
5: the name of that bug real easy. Yuki, don't tell me that you're familiar with that kind of bug. Well, it just so happens that one of my best friends next to old Charlie Rusbra, is old Professor Dexter A. Nicholsworthy, he's one of the country's most outstanding authorities on bugs, you know. Is that right? Uh, if what you suspect is true, Mayor, that is... uh, uh, that bug which escaped from the lads' bug collection is a Lepidopterus microphilius monatical Uh but we have one of the rarest wig insects in the world right here in my farm.
6: Well, if that's the case, then what are we waiting for? I mean, let's get outside and start looking for it before it flies so far away. We'll never find it.
5: Well, after we finish breakfast, Sparky, you just finish your ham and eggs, and then well, we can... I I
6: have finished my breakfast. Look, huh? no ham, no eggs, no toast. My glass is empty. If I could drink three glasses of milk
5: Oh, well, all right I guess we're all finished with our breakfast now If the mayor and Yuki want to go outside with you to look for that bug It's all right with me Well, I'm ready How about you, Yuke? Yeah, I'm all set Come on, let's go (laughs) Uh, Say, where'd you find that bug in the first place there, lad? Well,
6: um, Yuki, you remember yesterday While we were out rounding up the cows to bring them into the barn Uh, You remember I was collecting bugs then? Yeah,
5: I recall that
6: well, I think. I'm not sure about this, but I think I found the little butterfly sitting on a rock right alongside the big pond out there in the pasture.
5: Oh, is that right? Well, wow. Okay, let's be on our way outside, then. After you, lad.
6: Are you going to take your butterfly net with you, Yugi?
5: Fine. That's the reason I got it standing right here on the porch leading up against the wall right next to the door. Oh, boy. Smell that air. Another beautiful day. Just feel how warm that sun is already this morning. Yep. (laughs) It's a grand and glorious day to go hunting for bugs. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought I'd see the day when I'd go walking around a farm hunting for bugs. I recall a bug hunting expedition I went on once with old friend, old Professor Dexter A. Nicholsworthy, up in the great East Catankerous Forest that's just 16 miles north of East Catankerous, Illinois. Yeah? Oh, uh, what about you, Dick? Oh, well, nothing about it, lad. I just happen to recall the bug hunting expedition I went on once with my old friend, old Professor Dexter A. Nichols, were the, up there in the Grease, great East Catankerous Forest, just 16 miles north of East Catankerous, Illinois. That's all, Sparky. Nothing about it. Tall, tall, tall. Well, I thought maybe you were going to,
6: um, you know, like uh, tell
5: a story. Well, I could tell a story if you wanted me to tell a story. However, I do not recall any stories to tell right at this particular moment. Well, just forget about it. <laughs> forget about them there stories of yours and let's get busy hunting for that bug of the lads. Now, if it was the kind I think it was, the lad has got one of the greatest bug finds in the history of uh, bug collections. Well, there's the pasture. Uh, uh, hey! Look over yonder. Yeah, there's a little white butterfly flying around over there. Is she it, Big John? Where? Oh, yeah. Hey, do you think that's the one? There's only one way to find out. Uh, Sparky, get your butterfly net ready. You too, Bear. We're going over there after that, fella. If that's a Lepidopterus, microphilus, fanatical Paracelsus, we're going to catch him, all right. Okay, Yuki, I've got my butterfly net ready. Um, what do we do now? Well, let's use a little strategy here. You swing around to the left and I'll swing around out to the right It will close in on him. I'll catch him easy enough that way. Oh, there he goes. There he goes. He's landed on that little clump of white flowers over there. You see that? Look at that. Look at that. Come on, Big John. Come on. It looks like you can get catch him. Yeah, okay. He and the mayor are closing in. I'll let them take care of it.
6: Yep. <laughs> hey, look at Yuki running along there with some butterfly net race high up into the air like oh, that. Oh, if
5: you ask me, we all look like a bunch of fools running around here chasing butterflies with nets of all things. Okay, you get him, Yuki? Well, wait till I get a little closer, mayor. Look out, there he goes, Here he goes. That's all right, I'll get
6: him. Oh, I missed him there. Oh. oh, there he goes, there he goes, there he goes. He's flying away. He's flying away from that clump of flowers he was sitting on. There. You
5: waited too long for him to get your net on him there, Yuki. I just stop talking, Mayor, and swing your net on. Come on, he's coming your way. Him swinging the net at him, what do you think I'm doing, waving it? Goodbye to a, a choo choo train or something Jason like Mayer, that. There
6: he goes, right over your shoulder. I'm after
5: him. I'm after him. And he won't get away from the old pump front. <laughs> I'll get you, you little leopardopterish, <laughs> you. Hey, come here, you. Hey, you're gaining on him, Mayor. You're gaining. Just keep gaining. Watch where you're going, Mayor. Can't watch where I'm going. I've got to keep my eyes on that there butterfly at the same time, Mayor. Well, you better watch where you're going right before you walk into the. Uh Uh-oh, it's too late.
6: Oh, oh, Mayor's foot front ran right into the pond. (laughs) Look at him sitting there in the water, (laughs) waving his hands in the air (laughs) like...
5: Better look out there, Mayor. Sit still. Sit still. Yeah, sit
6: still, Mayor. Please sit still. The butterfly's sitting right on the end of your nose.
5: I see it. I see it. I'm holding the breath. Hurry up and get him. Hurry up and get him. The water in this here pond is cold. Just keep your shirt on there, Mayor. I'm not taking any chances with that there butterfly getting away. I'll just smack this here net right down over your head. Here goes. Oh, oh Yuki. Oh, 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 you dumb snoot. You hit me right in the nose with the handle of that there net. That's all right, Mayor. We caught the butterflies under the net. Well get it out from under there so as I can see what my nose looks like. Oh, I think you done went and smashed it with that there net handle. steady now, Bear. We'll just reach under the net and I'll grab a hold of the little fella here. Yeah, get
6: the butterfly, Yuki.
5: Careful now, Yuki. Careful he doesn't get away again. I got a hold of something under this here net. Feels a little bit like a watermelon, oh, no. cucumber, though. I know that that there butterfly's not that big. You keep put your that watermelon or cucumber or whatever it is you think you got a hold of happens to be my nose. It's no watermelon. Stop squeezing it like that. Oh, it's sore enough as it is. <laughs> oh, pardon me, mayor. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, there I got the butterfly. Now, we'll get it out from under the net and see what this here little feller looks like. Yeah. get him out from under there. There we are. There's the little feller, Sparky Lad. (laughs) Hey, you got that there glass jar I gave you to put the
6: butterfly in when we caught him? Sparky, have you got the glass yeah, jar? Yeah, 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 here it is. I'll, I'll take off the lid so you can put them in. Fine. Okay, now, go ahead, go ahead, put them in.
5: There it goes, there it goes. Okay, put the lid back on the jar so those are rare and almost extinct Lepidopterus microphilia monatical paracelsus butterfly doesn't get away. <laughs> you mean this butterfly is one of those rare and valuable butterflies?
6: <laughs> yeah, fine, 100% correct. <laughs> well, we boil,
5: again. Well, Sparky Lad, I do not express to be an expert on bugs, so I think the only thing to do is to call in the world's greatest bug expert, my old friend Professor Dexter A. Nicholsworthy, and ask him to come down here and examine this here butterfly and see if it is a real, genuine, authentic, true blue, actual, definite, precise, honest to goodness, rare and unusual, highly prized, and valuable Lepidopterus, Microphilius, fanatical paracelsus butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do that, Yuki. Who knows? Maybe this
6: little fellow is worth a lot of money or something. Hey, look, Mayor Pumpkin's still sitting in the pond. I think we'd better help him get out. (laughs) I'll see you later, kids. So long.